0: Chapter 11 of Prehistoric Men. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by S. K., Edison, New Jersey. Prehistoric Men by Robert J. Braidwood. Chapter 11 Summary In the pages you have read so far, You've been brought through the earliest 99% of the story of man's life on this planet. I have left only 1% of the story for the historians to tell. The Drama of the Past Men first became men when evolution had carried them to a certain point. This was the point where the eye-hand-brain coordination was good enough so that tools could be made. When tools began to be made according to sets of lasting habits, we know that men had appeared. This happened over a half a million years ago. The stage for the play may have been as broad as all of Europe, Africa and Asia. At least it seems unlikely that it was only one little region that saw the beginning of the drama. Glaciers in different climates came and went to change the settings, but the play went on in the same first act for a very long time. The men who were the players had simple roles. They had to feed themselves and protect themselves as best as they could. They did this by hunting, catching and finding food wherever they could and by taking such protection as caves, fire and their simple tools would give them. Before the first act was over, the last of the glaciers was melting away and the players added the new world to their stage. If you want a special name for the first act, we could call it the food gatherers. There were not many climaxes in the first act so far as we can see, but I think there may have been a few. Certainly, the pace of the first act accelerated with a swing from simple gathering to more intensified collecting. The great cave art of France and Spain was probably an expression of a climax. Even the ideas of burying the dead and of the Venus figurines must also point to levels of human thought and activity that were over and above pure food-getting. The Second Act The Second Act began only about 10,000 years ago. A few of the players started it by themselves, near the center of the old world part of the stage, in the Near East. It began as a plant and animal act, but it soon became much more complicated. But the players in this one part of the stage, in the Near East, were not the only ones to start off on the second act by themselves. Other players, possibly in several places in the Far East and certainly in the New World, also started second acts that began as plant and animal acts and then became complicated. We can call the whole second act as the food producers. The first great climax of the second act. In the Near East, the first marked climax of the Second Act happened in Mesopotamia and Egypt. The play and the players reached that great climax that we call civilization. This seems to have come less than 5000 years after the Second Act began, but it could never have happened in the First Act at all. There is another curious thing about the First Act. Many of the players didn't know it was over and they kept on with their roles long after the second act had begun. On the edges of the stage, there are today some players who are still going on with the first act. The Eskimos and the native Australians and certain tribes in the Amazon jungle are some of these players. They seem perfectly happy to keep on with the first act. The second act moved from climax to climax. The civilizations of Mesopotamia and Egypt were only the earliest of these climaxes. The players to the west caught the spirit of the thing, and climaxes followed there. So also did climaxes come in the Far Eastern and New World portions of the stage. The greater part of the second act should really be described to you by a historian. Although it was a very short act when compared to the first one, the climaxes complicated a great deal. I, a prehistorian, have told you about only the first act and the very beginning of the second. The third act. Also, as a prehistorian, I probably should not even mention the third act. It began so recently. The third act is the industrialization. It is the one in which we ourselves are players. If the pace of the second act was so much faster than that of the first, the pace of the third act is terrific. The danger is that it may wear down the players completely. What sort of climaxes will the third act have, and are we already in one? You have seen by now that the acts of my play are given in terms of modes or basic patterns of human economy, ways in which people get food and protection and safety. The climaxes involve more than human economy, Economics and technological factors may be part of the climaxes, but they are not all. The climaxes may be revolutions in their own way, intellectual and social revolutions if you like. If the third act follows the pattern of the second act, a climax should come soon after the act begins. We may be due for one soon if we are not already in it. Remember the terrific pace of this third act. Why bother with prehistory? Why do we bother about prehistory? The main reason is that we think it may point to useful ideas for the present. We are in the troublesome beginnings of the third act of the play. The beginnings of the second act may have lessons for us and give depth to our thinking. I know there are at least some lessons, even in the present incomplete state of our knowledge. The players who began the second act that a food production separately in different parts of the world were not all of one pure race, nor did they have pure cultural traditions. Some apparently quite mixed Mediterraneans got off the first start of the second act and brought it to its first two climaxes as well. People of quite different physical type achieved the first climaxes in China and in the New World. In our British example of how the late prehistory of Europe worked, we listed a continuous series of invasions and reverberations. After each of these came fusion. Even though the channel protected Britain from some of the extreme complications of the mixture and fusion of continental Europe, you can see how silly it would be to refer to a pure British race or a pure British culture. We speak of the United States as a melting pot, but this is nothing new. Actually, Britain and all the rest of the world have been melting pots at one time or another. By the time the written records of Mesopotamia and Egypt begin to turn up in number, the climaxes there are well underway. To understand the beginnings of the climaxes and the real beginnings of the second act itself, we are thrown back on prehistoric archaeology. And this is as true for China, India, Middle America, and the Andes as it is for the Near East. There are lessons to be learned from all of man's past, not simply lessons of how to fight battles or win peace conferences, but of how human society evolves from one stage to another. Many of these lessons can only be looked for in the prehistoric past. So far, we have only made a beginning. There is much still to do, and many gaps in the story are yet to be filled. The prehistorian's job is to find the evidence, to fill the gaps, and to discover the lessons men have learned in the past. As I see it, this is not only an exciting but a very practical goal for which to strive. End of chapter 11 Summary End of prehistoric men by Robert J. Braidwood. Recording by S.K. Edison, New Jersey.